Blog Talk Radio. Scatter Chatter. I'm your boy, Jess Ray. Uh, thank you again for tuning in. Uh, share, comment, like our show, call in. Um, before we get started, I just wanted to just say thank you to the people at Truth Tribe Radio for hosting us. And I want to say thank you to my team. I want to give a shout out to my team members for helping me with the marketing, the setup of the show, and just supporting me and just encouraging and empowering me along the way. And uh, without further ado, uh, I want to go ahead and introduce our guest tonight, Mr. Walter Whitehead. Hello, Mr. Walter. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. It's, it's a pleasure to be here, Raymond. It truly, truly is, oh, man. man. Long time no chat, brother. Long time no chat. Uh-oh. What? Long time no chat. Long time no chat. Oh, set. yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh, for the audience, I want <laughs> you guys to know, Mr. Whitehead is a is a good friend of mine. We work together. He's very knowledgeable in the finance field, and I wanted to bring him in to kind of talk to him about financial literacy because we're all about financial literacy and educating people as well as the other things that we're doing. And just to let you know, also the our T-shirt sales and merch sales are going to go to STEM programs that are vetted in the Los Angeles area. So if you know any that are vetted or if you know any STEM programs, please let us know. And we will go and bet them, and then we will donate some of our proceeds from the merch to that. And without further ado, Mr. Walter, go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience, and then we'll get into our Q&A. Sure, sure. So um, Walter Whitehead, I'm a Los Angeles native. Um, I, I, I studied at a historically black college and university in, in, in Atlanta. Shout out to my HBCU folks there. Um, I've also had an opportunity to, to, to study abroad in, in South, South Africa. I studied at some top universities uh, around the world, uh, finance, international business, and I uh, started my career on uh, Wall Street uh, with the top bulge bracket in- institution in private wealth management. Um, after a short stint there in Chicago, I launched a private equity firm, um, which then conflated into an investment bank. Uh, that's when uh, Raymond and I got a chance to work uh, together. Uh, he, he and I shared a, a similar client uh, in the uh, cannabis space for a while. Um, I now work at a black-owned investment bank um, that's based in Austin, Texas, and uh, we're thriving. We focus in the middle market space, um, and I've been licensed with FINRA for over 10 years, uh, Series 7, 79, and 63. So licensed investment banker, investment advisor, the whole nine. No. Yeah, so the man knows what he's talking about when it comes to finance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my entire career, my entire career has, has been in uh, finance. Entire career, I've been working in finance since I was eighteen. Wow, that is a long. You are so you're a pro expert. Uh, I don't know if there's any other word. So yeah, you know what you're doing. Yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> I'm all right. Yeah, I'm pretty cool. I'm pretty cool. My 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 clients love me. My clients love me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, your clients do love you. I, I know. I witness it. They yeah. they always want to offer you a hug for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Um, okay, so Walter, before before we get into the Q and A, I have two questions. Bitcoin. I have two answers. I'm sure you do. Uh, Bitcoin versus uh, the retail, the retail stock investors. What are your What are your thoughts on that? Or are you are you, you know, familiar funny. with that space? Yeah, yeah, somewhat. You know, it's, it's funny you should say that because I, I remember uh, Raymond and I used to, um, you know, be be at the office uh, with the last few people in, in the office, and we used to work together. And we would get on the conversations like this, and I'd always tell them, I'm like, man, you know, in finance, like a very popular answer in finance, it always is, 
it depends. Right? <laughs> and so, and so uh, nothing could change. And so, and so with that, it does depend. So in, in finance, uh, the analogy I like to use that people are more familiar with is when it comes to health, right? Like people are very familiar with like, you know, common medicine. So it's like the question you just asked is like asking someone, what, you know, Advil versus Tylenol. You know what I mean? And so it, it depends on the symptoms. It depends on what you're trying to accomplish. And so uh, cryptocurrency, like currencies in general, when it comes to Bitcoin, Bitcoin, for those who don't know, is, a, is, a, is what's called a cryptocurrency. Um, and so, and there are several types of other cryptocurrencies, but cryptocurrency in general, not speaking on Bitcoin specifically, but cryptocurrency in general is a very much akin to currencies, you know, prior to crypto. These are like, you know, talking about like the British pound, like the, you know, sterling, I'm talking about the U.S. dollars, yuan, et cetera, et cetera. Currencies in general had a reputation of being very volatile, meaning that, you know, in a day it could swing very, very widely. Whereas if you look at a, like a very heavy established blue chip company, like a Rubbermaid or a Home Depot, you don't get much movement throughout a trading day. Whereas in currencies in general, it, just, it would swing widely. Cryptocurrencies are very similar. Like you put $300 worth of something, you know, in a cryptocurrency, and within a day it'll move to down to 100 bucks and up to 500 or something like that. And that's not unusual. So mm -hmm. cryptocurrencies are just really, you know, volatile. You know, Bitcoin or Helium or Ethereum, whatever, it's all just very volatile generally. Retail stock investing, uh, it's, it's a mixed bag. The, the term retail stock investing is just really broad in general. Um, so it depends on, you know, what you're talking about, whether it's just single well, stock, exchange well, traded funds, mutual funds, et cetera, et cetera. Well, specifically when I say retail stock investors are the people that are just buying stocks because it's cool, buying meme stocks versus the crypto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure, sure. Okay, so yeah. let me let me step out a bit and kind of just speak on that broadly, right? So yeah. my, my passion, uh, I'm, I'm African-American. And so um, with that being said, I'm from South Central Los Angeles. And so my a huge passion of mine since I was like 15, 18, 19, whatever, I had a huge passion on, you know, closing the racial wealth gap, which is like the gap between, you know, minorities, African-American and Latinos and, and their white counterparts. It's closing that racial wealth gap. It's typically it's been a gap in our uh, net worth and wealth generally here in America for many, many years. And so I've been a part of that movement to help close that gap, right, to, like, normalize the miraculous and it's when it comes to economics and, uh, and minority communities. And so since I was 18, 19 until today, especially during the pandemic kind of kicked off, you see a lot of growth and what Raymond is referring to as retail investors, right? These are just your pedestrian investors, folks who are, you know, school teachers, blue collar, just the working class folks who are getting into investing. I think it's great. You know, granted, there's pros and cons with it, with, with it all. Uh, in the 1930s, you had, here in the United States, you had a huge, a huge growth of retail investors kind of lose their shirt. Um, and uh, it's kind of... Uh, Okay, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, people kind of like um, lose their shirt, and the um, and when it comes to the stock market, and and so there we were like you know there were laws that were created and legislation that was created, uh, the Securities Exchange Act and and in, in uh, 1934 and 1933 there was just um, and the SEC was created, the Securities Exchange Commission was even created, and so mm -hmm. um, these these regulations kind of happened to protect retail uh, investors because people were kind of just haphazardly investing with no kind of rules regulation. A term you may be familiar with um, is what's called accredited investors or qualified purchasers. These are certain oh. designations which mean, hey, if your net worth isn't here, if your income isn't here, you're not allowed to invest in these type of investments. It, it was kind of created to, again, to protect folks who kind of, you know, could be taken advantage of from uh, folks. And so um, revisiting that now today, seeing what's happening in the, in the stock market where you have, like, I have nephews who are, like, you know, aren't even legally able to, like, vote who are, like, doing cryptocurrencies and all kind of crazy, current, you know, forex. So it's exciting and it's great. 
And it's a bit edgy because, you know, there's a lot of risk involved there, right? They're just kind of like, right. you know, mm-hmm. they're just going in. So I'm just like, man, I'm excited that they're doing it, but I can see where I'm kind of on edge. Like, I hope they're not investing their rent money. You know what I mean? Like, like certain right, folks who, are, right. who, who I should invest in. Yeah, I hope they're not overlooking the fundamentals, which could be the case, but, you know, it, it, it makes, you know, come with the territory. So whatever kind of bumps and speed bumps our, our people or our community has to overcome to kind of get to where we, we, we need, to, need to go, then I'm all, I'm all for it. You know, Frederick Douglass always said, without struggle, there is no progress. Right. Okay, so, all right, on, on this note, so this is, this is something that I've been observing. There's been a lot of courses and a lot of people telling people to invest using Robinhood. Uh, there's, some other, there's some other brands that people have been using. I hate to, like, throw the brand out there. What are the consequences for investing? Like, shouldn't people? What do people need to know about? Like, as far as like the tax implications, is there is there a way that you can advise people to like look into that, or who who they should talk to as far as their CPA, CPA, or if they're doing their individual taxes? Like, what what should they be doing along with that? Because I know people are saying like, "Dang, I'm getting dividends, I'm getting a, a payoff," but they forget their capital <laughs> gains. They need to pay taxes on that. Like, what is the what are, what should people be looking out for? What should people be doing to make sure they're doing everything right so their finances are, like, above board and they're doing their checks and balances with that? Yeah, great question, great question. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, that that <laughs> That's one of those questions that where the answer is not, it depends. <laughs> this is a very – now we're getting in black and white territory. It's like binary. It's yes. like this is yes. for sure, right? This is an answer. So you absolutely 100% have to. You you absolutely have to get comfortable with utilizing the help of advisors. And I think that's one thing. And, I, and it's great that you're asking these questions because, you know, I'm in, like, the mode of the whole, you know, activist kind of mode. You know what I mean? Where it's like I want to help mm-hmm. our people, right? I don't know the demographic of your audience, but – you know, I, I really am excited to kind of talk to uh, minorities or folks who are, who are allies who are helping to kind of close the racial wealth gap here. I think one unique thing that exists with, um, we call them AIs and QPs. Again, that's an acronym for accredited investors and qualified purchasers. These are individuals right. with networks who are able to invest in certain um, more sophisticated investment products, right, or rather like higher risk, and they have the, the net worth to um, take the risk. Yeah, so says the mm-hmm. SEC, right? So, 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 one thing I think is very unique to that demographic, and these are sophisticated investors, is they work with a lot of advisors. They have attorneys, they have wealth managers, uh, they have investment bankers, they have uh, CPAs, tax experts, bookkeepers. They're surrounded by uh, advisors, whereas you know more working class folks, blue collar folks, right? You know your truck driver friend, you know. Or, or your your trash guys, whatever. It's 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 unusual for that person to have these type of advisors. I think the closest thing to an advisor they would have would be, you know, uncle so and so or their parents or something like that. Very informal. And I think as you kind of mature a bit, if if you have over maybe over a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars in your in your retail checking account, you know, like with Chase or something or Bank of America, or whatever. You you may get a tap on your shoulder or an extra call from your from your banker from your bank to say hey you ever thought about opening a Merrill Edge account at Bank of America or uh, you know what I mean or like an IRA or whatever you may get that right. be your first introduction to an advisor and that may freak a person out but you have to get comfortable with surrounding yourself with professional advisors and in this case that would be a CPA. Um, is, and, and if you don't know a CPA, you feel free to give them my handle. I have a Twitter handle at, at WJohnWhitehead. Uh, just reach out to me, like DM me or whatever, and I can introduce you to some really um, solid CPAs who can either help you out directly or to put, point you in the right direction. But you for sure uh, need absolutely, this is not a maybe, it depends, this is a black and white for sure question. You're going to need the help of a CPA. And, and all CPAs are not created equal. Um, kind of like death, like you, you know, uh, if, if you you know you know if you're a culinary architect, right? You have people who may be specialized in baked goods, somebody who's specialized in meat, somebody specialized in you know what I mean. 
you have certain specialties. Um, and so just like that, even like with attorneys, you have entertainment attorneys, you have corporate uh, attorneys, you have uh, divorce attorneys, whatever, right? It just kind of like, it just depends, right? So that same way, you have tax experts and CPAs who specialize in certain matters or whatever. So I, I can uh, definitely help you point them in the right direction there. But you need to help up an advisor. I'll do something I would not suggest you kind of put your hustle hat on and how to do it yourself. Okay, well, there, okay, all right, well, let's, let's talk about that. So as an individual, like, I know there's a point where it's just like, it's out of your control, you need to call an expert for sure. But is there a point where, is there something that you can do to mitigate the factors that in between the I need an advisor versus like, okay, I'm only earning X amount of dollars. I can handle this on my own. People do their taxes on their own. Is there, is there a, something that you should know or should, you should be doing in between that time before you get to that level? You know, I, I would say it's, it's always having a conversation. You know, like again, okay. this and this is the this is the nuance that I was referring to, regarding the comfort, and working with advisors, right? Okay. Um, like I know I know some people for a while who were just not even comfortable putting their money in a bank. You know, they're, yeah. they're just like, hey, I don't I don't I don't trust that. You know, or even like with with payroll, like people like, hey, just you got to give me my check in my hand. You know what I mean? They just kind of like <laughs> like certain stuff. Uh, you know what I mean? They, you know what I'm talking about? They just like certain things a certain kind of way. And it's like, wow, you got to get used to using advisors and trusting systems, et cetera, et cetera. And so you may not have to pull the trigger and hire a real estate agent or hire a CPA or hire an uh, uh, investment banker, but at least have a conversation with the expert to kind of just okay. get used to bouncing your ideas off of another person, another human being. You know, like, you know, like everybody can't do everything, right? But everybody mm-hmm. can do something. You know, it's the idea of like, hey, like, you know, you're 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 a great person, right? <laughs> but it's like you can't do everything. Right? No. So it's like, get, so so like so it's like, hey, get used to maybe not cooking all the time and going out to eat. You know, maybe yeah. hiring somebody else to do your your laundry, hiring somebody else to do, you know, the the cleaning in your house. You know, trust people. And this is the thing, again, I was pointing out towards, like, wealthy people or, or the wealthier class of people here in America typically are, are used to leveraging teams and leveraging people. They have a staff for this, a staff for that. You know, we have a staff of people who clean up the house, a staff of people who do this, who help, with the, help, help raise the children. You know, it's like the village mentality. And with that scalability, you're given more freedom, and that all requires trust. And I know trust doesn't happen overnight. So it's the idea of just starting by just having a conversation and meeting somebody and getting used to bouncing your ideas off of another person and not living in a silo where you do your own cleaning, your own cooking, your own taxes, your own this, your own this, your own. And it's just like, damn, like, where's, your, where's your freedom? You know, you just cut or, or, or captain, if it's going to be, it's up to me. So it's just a difference in uh, how they approach the world. The self-employed mentality versus the business owner mentality is just a little different. Okay. All right, got you. All right, so the question. What are your predictions for the U.S. economy after COVID? Like, now that we're opening up, like, do you see any foreseeable growth or just from your observation? Um, or Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure growth. Yeah, for sure, for sure growth, man. So this has been a, a, a very popular question and topic and conversation. And or even in, in, in each uh, sector, like any, like, uh, public or, mm-hmm. or private sector, do you see any specific mm-hmm. – targeted growth in a specific sector too. Yeah. I mean, is there something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And, and this has been a very popular topic of conversation that really hasn't changed since like COVID started, like in, okay. <laughs> in like March, April, in March, April, like every, every institution was like, Hey, what are your predictions? What are your predictions? What are your predictions? And it's been, it's been steady conversation since, since, since it started. And so really the, the big, the big growth area is that like, technology is always growing and taking that second names, especially, uh, those online platforms have been growing significantly. Everybody, everybody is now, now like Zoom has become a verb. You know what I mean? Like, which is like, hey, look at Zoom becoming a verb now, man. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> people have been using Zoom for like over five years, man, over ten years. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know, but uh, Zoom has been around for a long time. But it's like overnight it's become a verb. You know what I mean? So I think that's like so cool. 
Um, so platforms like, like, like that, and then also uh, healthcare has always been um, like a, a significant one in pharmaceuticals, obviously, with these individuals obviously uh, taking care of a lot of patients and a lot of growth and a huge demand that was taking place last year and still this year as well because you have that, that Delta variant in COVID, right? Uh, so mm-hmm. a lot of people have been fully vaccinated recently. It's this whole Delta variant, right, that's freaking people out. So healthcare is obviously a, a major significant one, and technology is a major uh, significant one as well. And then also real estate, just just in general, has taken like has been punched in the stomach really heavy, like hotels and travel, leisure stuff like that. Uh, and it, it's kind of like how, how I see it. It's kind of like um, what is it like? What is a great analogy uh, for it? I don't know. It's just like a train. It's like a, a locomotive train that was going a million miles per hour, and it just kind of slowed down. And it's like, do you think it's going to get back to going again? Heck yeah, you know? So it just put on pause for a minute. But, like, you know, the hotel industry, I think it's going to bound for a significant rebound. Uh, travel and leisure, resorts, stuff like that, cruise ships and stuff, you know, all that kind of travel and leisure is expected to, to rebound. Now, when is the magic crystal ball kind of situation, right? Yeah. But, but yeah, the okay. industry that's been hit hit the hardest, I think, is going to be bound for the biggest rebound. But when and how to get in, you, you need a crystal ball or I don't know. You know, but but I would expect those to, to recover for sure. It'd be like the biggest game for sure. Um, side question. Sure. There's a quiet rumor about silver and water. Like those are two big... Uh, I guess economical factors for the future and natural resources. Anything on that? You know, it's funny, man. I, I don't really play or keep my ear to the ground in in the whole speculative world. Uh, okay. And so what just Ray is referring to generally are things like, "Hey, I got a hot tip for you," like kind of thing. And, and I, you typically see these things in like the Motley Fool or stuff like that. If you it just, I mean, I don't, I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not going to get nothing for this, but if you just Google Motley Fool, you're going to see they, they always got, hey, last two years ago, we predicted this and we predicted that and we predicted, you know, Tesla and Amazon and all this stuff, whatever, and all this eBay or whatever. And now we got another hot tip for you. I don't, that's not me. So I got to, like, okay. like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I typically, I'm an investment banker, so I typically just work work with my clients in the middle market and help them sell their business or whatever. And I also, like, uh, my first investments are in real estate. So I just bet on, like, you know, I don't know, like, strong, stable, reliable things. Like, I think my, my big wins come from just analysis. I'm, I'm more of a value investor, a bit like, like, like your Warren Buffett, if you're familiar with him. Uh, yep. He's like, yo, if you believe if you believe in something and if it makes sense for you, do it. You know, there's always the right time to buy it. It's not, you don't make money on the swings or whatever. Like, I don't, I'm not one to like aggressively buy low and sell high off of rumors and stuff like that. I'm not, I'm not your guy on uh, Reddit to do the AMC and you know what I mean? What was that? It was AMC okay. and GameStop. That's not me. I'm not that guy. He's like, yo, I'm telling you, man, AMC game, blah, blah, blah. Or or also your Dogecoin guys, that's not me, man. But that's my nephew. You know what I mean? That's, that's like every 15, 16-year-old like in America today, which I love, which I am a huge fan of that because because they're in it, you know? And I'm just like, man, just get yeah. in it, you guys. Just, just, and this is what I was referring to, like, like just having that conversation just to get familiar with it. What this does, it just changes your vibrational energy. It's just like it changes your vibrational address. Like, I am not here. I vibrate here where I'm comfortable with advisors. So it's not unusual yeah. to, to know I have a nanny, a cook, a, you know what I mean? I have all these things because I'm used to using advice. I have a CPA that I don't – and I focus on what I focus on, and I, and I allocate and, and I delegate my, my other responsibilities, which gives me more freedom, allows me to do what I need to do and things still get done versus I don't trust nobody. I'm doing everything myself. So that's why I love the <laughs> fact that, you know, a lot of our youth are just changing their vibrational address to, our, to, to their parents because they have brokerage accounts. You know, they are, they're trading Forex and currency before they're 18. 
I wasn't doing that, but I wanted to do that. And this is like insane. Right. This is insane. When I literally when I turned eighteen, I was working in finance. These I have fourteen, fifteen, sixteen year old nieces and nephews, man, like asking asking these type of questions. And I'm like, I love this. I love it to death. I think it's great. But again, I don't trade what they trade. I don't. We don't. We don't invest in the same. We don't play in the same sandbox. Got it. Okay. All right. Um. Next question. So. Fed's int is talking about inflation. How do you yep. is does our current like per, paper currency carry any uh, weight in this economy, or or is it yes going somewhere different, or have you seen anything, or yeah, so that's a great question, man. Try to pay <laughs> try to try to pay for your dinner with a different kind of currency and get back with me. You answer that for me, man. Heck yeah, dude. If you still paying your phone bill with U.S. dollars, brother, then yes, you know what I mean, <laughs> like, like yeah. So, 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 yeah, man. Like, granted, uh, but but there is a shift happening. I definitely understand what your question, what you're getting at, right? So, from thirty thousand okay. feet, right? Um, there's a ton of countries, man. I want to say Venezuela is one of them, maybe. Uh, I can't really recall, but let's say there's a there's a country um, in South America for sure. I want to say is Venezuela. And uh, there's a few other countries as well around the world who's, who's, who's playing in the crypto space, you know, who, who are okay. looking for their own token is what it's called, or their own, like, cryptocurrency. They're looking to have ICOs, initial coin offerings, or whatever. So, so it's, it's no longer freaky sci-fi, that shit ain't going to work type of, type of uh, conversations. These things are, are very serious. And, and this has been the case for, like, the last, I want to say, three to five years where you had both racket Wall Street firms get into the space. I want to say Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, and Morgan Stanley, maybe, and Merrill Lynch, were getting in the crypto space and, and creating divisions to focus on what's happening in the crypto space and to see actual countries getting behind it and looking for their own, creating their own currency is fascinating. So, wow. yeah, so things, so, so, so things can change. It's, it's like nothing is permanent. I, I think the only constant in this world and universe is change. So it's mm-hmm. definitely happening, but I don't. I, but I don't think it's going to be a sudden 180 degree shift where like all your net worth just doesn't mean anything. Either like scramble to some other currency, but like I mean, come on, man. Nah, I, you, you <laughs> everything you are wearing right now, everything on this podcast, <laughs> everything you see with your eyes was paid for with U.S. dollars, brother. So like, so nah, man. Like I, I don't think it's, it's, gonna it's not going to be like a 180, 90 degree shift and nothing like that. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, with that being said, any foreseeable trends in banking that an average consumer should be looking out for, or a business owner should be looking out for, and then anything changes, or is it still just so. be traditional? Yeah, no, it's not. It's for sure going to change. I think the biggest shift in change, for sure, is going to be due to COVID and what happened there. Like just just firsthand, man, and you can read about this as well in like major publications, business publications, but. I witnessed this firsthand, like talking to like you know buddies and friends who who run offices around the world, really like around Earth, bro. I have I outsourced. I've been using an outsourced team in in India for about five years now, man. And this this is this is a global phenomenon. I have friends in South Africa, who deals in South Africa as well, and folks in in Europe as well as China, um, or or rather other Asian countries and stuff, man. It's it's a it's a global thing that is happening where people are are not going back into the office the way they did. So things are, okay. are becoming a lot more like realist, a lot more virtual. Um, but that's also putting a, a premium on, on place that people want to socialize and want to go into people. A lot of people have gotten a lot of cabin fever and they just are dying to get back. They get back out there, which is why I was pointing to a lot of like travel and resorts and leisure stuff, like, you know, hotels, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, a, a lot of a lot of a lot of changes. There's been a growing number of uh, banks with um, with you know like like tellerless banks, you know, like peopleless banks, where you go into kind of like when you go into a grocery store, right? And they have mm-hmm. that self checkout line, right? It's like it's becoming more and more less people reliant, or rather like fewer people. Like whereas maybe your staff was like a hundred or something, now it's cut to like sixty. You know, like a forty percent decline possibly, and so this 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 has been happening prior to COVID, but I think COVID yeah. has accelerated it even more. So like things becoming less and less human being reliant. Like even like look at the uh, look at the Ubers and Lyfts and the driverless cars, right? Like Domino's have been 
have been at the forefront of technology. They say Domino's is now a technology company who happens to sell pizza as well. You know, because they're so tech, because yeah, because they're, they're they're like very 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 tech forward. Like Domino's is like I think they I think I sent it around. They they've been releasing like driverless cars. I think in Texas or something like that, bro. Like it it exists right now today, while we speak. They're happening. Like they're they're like driverless deliveries, bro. Like that are happening in the United States today, right now. So that's the next trend. I don't want to get off topic of this, but uh, I was in Santa Monica and I saw a driverless food delivery. I think it was like called Coco, and we're just rolling around okay. the street. Boom. Just, yeah, just they're out there, man. Oh, 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 drive. When, you know, fun food. fact. You know, when we were working together, Raymond, uh, just right. I'm sorry. When we were working together, it was, uh, it was what was it? It was uh, we were in Vegas one time, and I right. think you were with us. Maybe to that uh, that driverless uh, Lyft or Uber? Were you in the car? No, it was there, but I think you guys took it. But but we took the uh, we took the one with the driver, the the interesting driver that was DJ. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I recall. I recall. So, but, but this, but this, but this was like again. This was all pre-COVID. It was pre-COVID, and they were trying to be in a city where it was like a robust, high-traffic city. So they chose Vegas, and it was a it was a person behind the wheel, but they were just testing it, and they were like in it, but they were just sitting there. They were just sitting in the seat, but the car was doing everything itself. They were just making sure it doesn't yeah. pop off. But but it it was this was like years, like at least two, one or two years. Like eighteen, nineteen, we were in Vegas, and this was we was experiencing this, and so it's not unusual to see. And again, this is happening like with even people who I know who just got into trucking and they're super excited. And I'm like, man, trucking may be one of the first, you know, industries that's hit with the logistics, right? Like it's going to be all, right. all driverless, all, all electric, you know. But like you mentioned regarding banking and other industries as well, again, they're removing humans. But but what has happened? You you've seen this trend happening over, I mean since since the beginning, right? Since we started to do manufacturing. If you look at old Twilight Zone episodes, these are these in the sixties. Oh man, bro. I don't even want they to had, talk about. Let's not. Yeah. Don't. Twilight Zone. No, no, but there, there were Twilight Zone. There were Twilight Zone episodes about. Yeah, but there were Twilight Zone episodes about things being automated, and they're like firing right. people, and they're like everybody was getting fired, and it was just like everybody was getting automated or whatever. He just loved computers because they were efficient, and then. At the end of the episode, they replaced him as well. Like everything was automated; it was 100% automated, and he was gone. So I think this is happening across like all industries. Uh, some industries are, are are being impacted more than others, and I think it's it's the situation where it's like high skill versus low skill situation, right? Where things that require low skill, you can just throw an algorithm on there and essentially replace a person. You know, whereas things require a bit more strategy, the human touch, more of a gut feeling or whatever, relationship-oriented things, some of those things may be the last thing to uh, to leave, like this podcast or whatever, right? Like these kind of frontiers where it's like human opinion and what do you think is not yes or no questions or answers, but it's like ideas or whatever uh, will be the last kind of frontier. But if you click a button, you know what I mean, yes or no, whatever, oh, you can create a formula quick, you know what I mean, and get a person here to there, you know? Wow, you know, that's almost like having Siri interview Cordana on the Android. Yeah, or like, or like Alexa or something oh, like shit. that. <laughs> Automation, but what about, do you see, foresee any, like, new products, like, being in the bank? Like, for instance, like, maybe a cryptocurrency teller at Bank of America or anything Anything of that nature? No. Uh, again, how, how I would look at cryptocurrencies and how they impact uh, the world and banking and just our economy in general, look at it like a foreign currency. Like there is a okay. place that existed since we had other currencies at a bank where it's like, hey, you want to exchange your South African rand for U.S. dollars, just ask your teller. And then they'll do the conversion for you, pay a little conversion fee, and you got it. The same thing that you do in your I'm sure you I'm sure people listening are hip to crypto, but if not, it's this thing called wallet, it's an app. And there's like fifty five bajillion types of wallets, but they're all essentially right. converters. Where they, they convert your US dollar or whatever currency you have into other currencies. You can convert 
crypto and uh, different types of cryptocurrencies into other types of currencies. You can convert your Bitcoin into South African Rand. You can convert your helium into yans or, or pounds or dollars or whatever. And, and it exists and it's cool. But again, this is like a new frontier for a lot of people. So it seems unusual and kind of freaky. But again, for hundreds of years, um, converters and conversion has existed for people to travel around the world forever where you convert your Swiss francs or your, your, your um, whatever, you know, your euros or whatever into your rand. It just conversions and currencies have always existed. And, and currency trading is typically called forex, foreign exchange, like foreign currency trade whatever. And again, it has always been very, very volatile, very, very volatile. So to just introduce a new type of currency is all crypto. And it's the same thing. You okay. convert it. Well, wasn't this not going to be like crypto. I'm just saying, like, if there was like another new way, way there's a product that the banks would be giving us, like after the like I don't know, like a reserve account uh, that complements your checking account, just in case some something pops off, or you know, just you know, uh, you know, type of product that's you know I don't, you know, I I I don't know, you know, I I I don't know. I'm not sure about a new thing or a new product that's going to okay. be out there that exists. But I, I do know that what's, what's happening, though, you could expect, a lot of unique things and programs you can expect as it relates to DE&I, diversity, equity, and inclusion. That has been a, a growing department across not just banks mm. but across U.S. industries. I, I think maybe even global industries since the uprising that is taking place after the uh, murder of George Floyd, um, you've seen a lot of people create, a lot of institutions, uh, corporations create a diversity, equity, and inclusion department within their institutions. And these institutions have been partnering with other institutions, and they've been implementing and creating programs to get more to help, again, close the racial wealth gap and, and to enhance equity, inclusion, diversity. And let me just kind of clarify something that was a unique thing I heard even today because I'm on all these calls all the freaking time. Um, the definition of equity, this is a great example that was used, uh, equity versus equality, right? Mm-hmm. Equality is an example of where it was like, you know, 400 people in a room and it was like, hey, you guys, I want to give everybody – um, uh, seven and a half, uh, a pair of seven and a half tennis shoes and, and paint them red, red seven and a half shoes, whatever. And everybody got them. But everybody don't wear a size uh, seven and a half. Everybody don't like red. It's like, you know, it's funky, it's weird, it's crazy, whatever. That's equality. It's all equal, right? right. Equity, though, equity, though, is like you ask me what you need, what we're trying to accomplish here, right? And you need a seven and a half. You need a 12, you need 11 and a half, you need a 5, and you need white, you need green, you need blue, whatever, and now everybody has what they need to accomplish what they need to accomplish, right? That is equity, which is different from equality, because um, you hear the D-E-N-I a lot, and people understand diversity, you know, but, but equity is a new thing that people are trying to, like, understand what's the difference between equity and equality, and it's all equal, blah, 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 but we're not looking for equality, we're looking for equity, you know? fairness that's uh, a bit thoughtful or mindful uh, that is a great analogy because i i always hear people say oh equity and they they throw it out there but they don't define what it means and that really man we actually, we actually worked in we actually, we actually worked with the social equity program <laughs> I mean, I like, okay. yeah I, and i got a lot on that but i'm just gonna leave that one yeah on. let's so, move on <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that's great that you brought that up because it leads me to my next question. So with that being said, the, what would be your general advice for a minority business? Because I know, like, everyone is like, I'm in business. Like, people just going out there randomly getting uh, sole proprietorships and LLCs. Like, is there, like, a five-step or just five major key points you would tell somebody, like, okay, you want to go into your business for yourself? These are five things you need to, like, handle in order to, like, consider yourself an official kind of entrepreneur or business owner. Sure. Sure. So uh, I, don't, I, never, I, didn't, I didn't count the five steps or anything, but I have a bunch of bullet points I can give because I, I get this question. Sure. I would say, like, 17 
times every quarter since I was 18, 19 years old. I have a lot of friends and stuff. Everybody no, because here's the I thing, do. Walter. I hate to interrupt you, but here's sure. the thing. A lot of people, they say they're in business, right? But an investment yeah. banker or somebody like you, you that's not yeah. really uh, – in touch with the community will kind of side eye and be like, really, you're in business? Like, how come you don't show the signs? You know, kind of like every tree has a fruit. You're like, okay, that's a fruit tree. You, you know what I mean? So what what would be those mm-hmm. things that you wouldn't side eye somebody, not necessarily you, but like an investment banker or somebody yeah. to take them a little bit more seriously? Yeah, the the, the big thing is, um, number one oh, is, and so, so I, I'm going to get kind of like, fluffy and then get real physical. Like the fluffy That's thing it. is you really have to understand your why, like why you're in business. And this is it's very fluffy and a bit ephemeral and theoretical because it's it's not stuff, you know what I mean? It's not something you can see or tangible whatever. But you really, really I think it's I can't overstress this enough. Like you really have to understand why are you doing this, like your why. Because your why really drives it. And a good book uh, they can pick up is Simon Sinek's uh Start yep. with Why. That is that is absolutely essential and it's so necessary and it's a bit fluffy but I can't stress it enough. It, it is incredibly important and it, and, it, and it it's life changing. It changed so many people's lives. It impacted me a lot when I read it and understood that. But that's number one, starting with why. Uh, number two, to get right into the meat, you really again have to get comfortable hearing from other people and getting advisors. You can't do it all. You cannot do it all. And even if you're a sole proprietor who don't trust nobody. It's gonna to be tough to do business because you need customers and you need to, you know what I mean. It's just like you got, you know. So, so the big thing is you what you want to go to is your local. If you're in the United States of America, you want to. It's, it's a free service that's provided by. It's federal, uh, provided by your your government. Uh, it's a it's a division of the Small Business Association, the SSBA. It's called the Small Business Development Center. It's it's often goes by its acronym SBDC. And they're all across the United States of America. Again, it's a federal program. Uh, I'm good friends with my local branch. Um, he used to be an advisor uh, from a private equity fund. He's like a friend of the family. And we share deals and leads and businesses. I go there and I speak. And he, you know, uh, you know, we're like really close. And so I send a lot of new businesses to the SBDC uh, because people come with ideas like, hey, let's, let's do this, Walt. And I'm like, okay, number one, talk to Larry Johnson. And so... So, um, so you, so what happens is, and also too, I was so happy when I saw Undercover Billionaire. It was a, a program that was on the Discovery Channel. I want to say the Travel Channel, Discovery. I'm not sure the Discovery Channel, but it's called Undercover Billionaire, and it highlights this billionaire uh, who's like, I'm gonna put me anywhere in the country on God's green earth and give me 90 days, I can create a million dollar business. And they put him in like Nantucket, Nebraska, something like that, right? And they filmed this guy. And they couldn't get him involved. He's given a hundred dollars, a cell phone with no contacts, and a pickup truck. And in ninety days, he does something awesome. I encourage you to go look it up, look on Wikipedia, whatever. But talk to me uh, just right after the show, and I can give you a link to like see everything. Just let, let me know. And uh, but yeah, but what happens in his in his grind in his ninety day grind? It's impressive, and it was it was people were moved and. One of my buddies was so moved, he challenged himself, and he created a $200 million fund, a uh, hotel fund uh, in, the, in a similar time frame. And, and he was just like, because this guy didn't have nothing. He said, I got all these contacts. I can definitely do what am I doing. And so he did, some, he did the same thing. But anyway, um, in this show, Undercover Billionaire, he highlights and leverages the SBDC in the city that he's in. And Nantucket, Nebraska, whatever, wherever he's in, it's just like some random city, um, some somewhere in Middle America. But what was cool, he used the SBDC a lot, and he used all their free services. Again, this is a free service that is federal, and it's all over the United States. And they essentially help business owners get what you're talking about. It helps them uh, go through a checklist, dot their eyes, cross their T's, and make sure they're official, official quote unquote. I'm doing air quotes here, but it's, it's what you're mm-hmm. referring to. They kind of, and it's a free service, again. But these, and just because it's free service is a really high-quality service as well. People who work at the SBDC are former business owners or existing business owners or, or professional advisors in consulting, investment banking, like my guy Larry Johnson. He's an awesome guy, and um, we've known each other for years now. But he, 
yeah, he's an exceptional professional. He's always at local business stuff in, in the city. Um, but again, I always push my uh, people who come across my desk, I always push them through the SBGC. Um, and that's for sure. And I can even just leave it there. Uh, I can give more, but honestly, if you're in the hands of the SBGC, after you understand your why, uh, they actually take businesses from idea phase. Uh, all the way up to doing like 10, 11, 12 million uh, a year. And I, I, he sent me some referrals that way as well. But the SBDC, Small Business Development Center, which is a division of the SBA, Small Business Association in the United States. But it sounds like you have like really two major strong points. And I've seen the theme. Get used to uh, taking advice and having advisors and having a why. If you have those two things and they're strong, like there isn't anything you can't accomplish. That's what it's sounding like. Yeah, right because, now. because yeah, yeah, because what 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 happens is like um, with the SBDC, right? That's your first step into trusting people. And I've seen people leave the SBDC on some like someone's don't know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? And it's just like, man, you're not a flexible person to like work with people, right? And then sometimes <laughs> that's where you that's where you start in because it's like if you don't like working with people, how can you manage a team of how can you manage Amazon? How can you manage a team of three hundred people? How can you manage a team of five people? Just you and right. five of the people. It's like you hate this person, you fight with this person, this person cheating on so and so and you you have other issues and stuff, and which is which is common and and uh, which is not unusual rather in certain communities. I don't want to like throw on the bus and change direction of this conversation, but you know what I'm talking okay. about, brother. Um, yeah, I get it. It, I get it. It, 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 it. Yeah, man, it just gets kind of weird, and so it's like you gotta just you first and foremost take yourself serious and start with why, understand why you're doing this, and you know get your sophistication up, and let's talk to some professionals at the Small Business Development Center. And start from ground zero and making sure. And then no matter where you are, I think it's important and healthy to kind of just always start with the fundamentals. Honestly, every quarter, my wife and I, we have a family meeting and we start with the, we go back to the fundamentals, you know, like, like we, we, we break up our lives into uh, quarters is God, family, career, and community. Right. And so we always start with God and it's like, God is like, yourself, who you are, you know what I mean? Like, I talk about mm-hmm. the Empower Regimen, the acronym for EMPWR, exercise, meditate, pray, write, and read. Like, knock this out. This is us. This is God. This is before we do anything in the community, before we do anything with our careers, before we do anything that's family-oriented, start with your exercise, your meditation, your prayer, your writing, your reading. Like, make sure you check the box off with you get right with, with you and your God. Then you start with okay. family. You finish all the family-related stuff before you do anything in the community, anything in your career, and then boom, 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 boom. And that's like, you know, family meetings or family outings. If you want to text your niece or nephew, if you owe your mom or something, your your your, your in-laws or whatever, your uncle so-and-so, hosting somebody, something for brunch or whatever, you finish family. Once God and family is together, then you can focus on your careers, you know, and what's happening there. And then once that's all squared away, you can go into your community and do things like podcasts with, with, with Jess Ray and you're talking about our family career or whatever. You don't have you don't feel guilty or weird or something missing or whatever and you're a full whole you're you're perfect whole and complete. Again, I'm using the language, brother. You already know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you're perfect, whole and complete. <laughs> and, and you're doing your thing, you know what I mean? So so right. so again, it's 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 a fundamental. So every quarter we kind of just go back to the fundamentals. And so what I'm encouraging your listeners to do is, even if you're already driving, to go back to the SBDC and just make sure you, if you need trademarks, business license and stuff, and you're not sure if you do or you maybe not do, depending on what your business is, if it's a clothing line or whatever, you may just want to just triple check that your website is using like the cookie stuff and it has all your right stuff, whatever. If you are eligible for certain uh, COVID-related stuff or loans or grants, there's a lot of, a lot of loans that are forgivable you know, that you may be eligible for, but you don't know it. Fun fact, and it's a quick segue, and I'll let you, um, you know, ask another question no, or whatever. No, no, do it. This is, this is you. Go ahead. Yeah, so I, I was doing this project. I'm working on this project in Chicago, the real estate project, and uh, the treasurer, uh, Maria, I forgot her last name, Maria somebody, uh, she's a longtime politician in Cook County and where, where Chicago sits in, in that county. And she was like, uh, there's a lot of um, – uh, tax liens that are up, you know, and she kind of just did the due diligence because, you know, DE&I initiatives and stuff, and she was, like, looking at the due diligence because she realized that a lot of, 
people who owned a lot of stuff, whatever, were homeowners of color. And she was like, oh, man. And then she noticed that, like, over two-thirds, like, over 66%, about 60% of these uh, homeowners were eligible for these tax forgiveness things. So if they just simply applied for it, they wouldn't have any liens on their property. So she started this campaign, Black Houses Matter campaign, to kind of just let these people know that they're to just notify, like, hey, apply for this stuff. You know what I mean? And but what I find mm-hmm. that in our community, this I find out this firsthand, people are so secretive. Like even I know people who came up and they got bread, 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 like in the music industry that people would be shocked to hear. But like these are like people who came up and had like hundreds of millions of dollars who still don't put like license plates on their car because they don't want people knowing their business. You know? It's wow. so weird. Dude, you live in Calabasas with like hundreds of millions of dollars. And you don't have any place because you just move on some hood stuff, right? That's how you move, right? And then there's people who just don't like applying for stuff or or or, or having checking accounts or getting, you know, direct deposit. It's just all kind of stuff that sometimes our people, where I come from, my people are hesitant to trust, like, you know, systems and stuff. When, in fact, when you plug in, when you just plug into the system, man, a lot of benefits and grants and all kind of stuff and SBDC and free services and all kind of stuff are, are here to help you um, to where it doesn't have to be so difficult. You're trying to do everything by yourself because you don't trust nobody. But when you open up and understand your why and trust and you're open to trust people, you can surround yourself with nannies who can help you raise children and, and you can try yourself with cooks who can – and chefs and, and, and advisors and stuff. And a lot of these things are, are more affordable than, than you think. Mm. Especially when you when you outsource. So, okay. I got a I just small confession, time where it's like I like I've worked multiple jobs, but with startups, I was at some point where I was just like, yo, I want my check in my hand. Because I remember <laughs> I'm gonna tell you why. I'm gonna tell you why though. I work for a startup, and the guy I was working with he was some guy. I'm just gonna not gonna say names, or whatever. But he embezzled the funds from the investor, and yeah. so his at one point in time when it came payday, his check bounced, and it was a startup, and everybody was like, "Yo, yeah. oh, I got bills to pay, et cetera, et cetera, this, that, and the third. So we were. When it came, it was two times, this guy just disappeared. He was just not there on payday. But then when he came, yeah. he was, like, giving people problems. So going forward, I was just like, yo, I don't want no direct deposit from most startups. Yo, just give me a check in my hand. It needs to be written and make sure it's cleared and all that, this, that, and the third. That's, and then, But after that, I was kind of, I was just kind of, like, playing the field. I was like, okay, should I trust this dude or is he cool? Is he so that's been, I've been, I've been one of that. I've been that guy. I'm just going to be straight up with the audience and let them know. I've been that guy for, but I have my reason. Just being straight up. He took the investment money, paid for his wedding, an extravagant wedding sure. somewhere. And it was just, it was just all bad. All bad. I hear <laughs> so, you. I hear you. That is not uncommon. That is not oh, uncommon. Oh yeah. So, okay. So we got that down. So so the thing is, uh, get used to taking advice. Use your local resources, which is the S- – what did you say, the SB? DC, the Small Business Development Center. SBDC, and I'm sure you can look that up on Google. So those two things. Okay. So that's – Major. And they have okay. uh, local local chapters if you're in like Dallas, New York, Philly, Nantucket, Nebraska, like wherever, like you know what I mean, Montana, random parts of the, of the country. Okay. And it's free. Um, it's free. It don't cost you nothing. Just go show up, make an appointment, show up, show up, be on time. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you can just pop in. You can just pop in and say, "Hey, oh, wow, really? people in direction." So, yeah, it's free. It's been around for, like, maybe 100 years and some plus. It's, it's, it's a federal program. It's been on the SBA, and they 
exist. It's free advisors. You just pop in and like, you know, hey, I have I'm just going to do it just to you know, show the audience how easy it is. I'm just going to do it. Yeah, I'm man. just do it. Yeah. Yeah, man. See, Larry okay. Johnson, man. I, well, well, depending on where you are, because there's several in Los Angeles County, obviously, because it's huge. But uh, I'm here in the South Bay, and so at the South Bay branch, um, it's, it's, they, they collaborate with schools, uh, Community College, El Camino here in South Bay, um, and so the interim director there, Larry, Larry Johnson, solid guy. I'm going to go with him because I want to get him on the show. How about that? Oh, yeah, that would be great, man. That's my guy, man. I'll introduce you, man. That's, that's, my, that's, like, that's, like, that's like our, our Uncle Larry, man. He likes to help me, man. Like, <laughs> a really close friend of the family, man. Seriously, like, no, nah, like. My wife know him. I know I know his his wife. We picnic and dinner together. That's like really really good friends. Oh, wow, dear dear friend, yeah dear friend. Okay, and uh, we gotta yeah. we gotta go and get uh, some some vittles too at some point in time too, sir. <laughs> yeah, it's been a minute and a half, bro. It's been too long. Okay, so uh, next question. Um, so you mentioned Simon Sinek. Uh, knowing your why. Yep. What are some other financial reasons? Start with why, I'm yeah. sorry. What are some other good financial or maybe just some fluff reads that people should read before they go into business or, or as they're in business? You know, I think just general fundamental stuff, man. I have a, a huge library, bro. I have a library of books, man. But the one that I just, like, I think is, like, the magnum opus of all, like, one of my favorite reads lately that I do at least, like, at least three or four times a year, man, the last past five, six years has been, uh, a book called The Compound Effect is written by Darren Hardy. Uh, Darren Hardy is actually the editor-in-chief of Success Magazine. And after years of running Success and interviewing several hundred people, ranging from, like, you know, like, I mean, Oprah to, like, freaking, like, um, like Steve Jobs, like everybody. Like, yeah, who's who's a success, man, for years? He's been running it for years, and then he wrote his book, and I think this book with his magnum opus, man, is called The Compound Effect. And essentially what the book says is, is to me, because I came to a similar conclusion when I was in college, and I, I read a lot in college, and I came to the conclusion, I was like, man, you know what? I think all these books are starting to sound the same. It's the same advice. You kind of just, right? you kind of just make a pamphlet, kind of just do this, you know, and the name of the game is just do it. I think Nike just did it. You know, they just kind of like nailed it with like just do it, but – a lot of people have, like, ideas and hopes and dreams and people who just do it. What I've found, too, is people who are more on the, like, to just do it and not as cerebral, they tend to get more done because they're doing it, right? And they're just, like, failing faster and just knocking it out, right? So the compound effect is, like, number one, number one, number one, number one. It is my absolute go-to read three times a year for the last almost 10 years. Um, another very fundamental book, though, um, I would say is Robert Kiyosaki, um, and I don't know. He's there's a lot of mixed messages and feeling sentiments around Kiyosaki, but Rich Dad Poor Dad is like a is a stellar read. It was one of my first books when I was 18, uh, and I I read it twice in one sitting when I first read it because it I was so enthralled and captivated at the age of 18, and and to this very day I quote stuff from uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. You know, like my how I define wealth is from Rich Dad Poor Dad since I was 18. Um, which is having passive income that exceeds your expenses, period. You know, um, when passive income meets your expenses, you're financially independent. When it exceeds it, you become wealthy by whatever that degree is. My idea would be five to ten times okay. your your expenses, you have passive income, that's wealth. That is wealth. Uh, so it's just that simple. Um, but sometimes people can say it's oversimplified and it's creepy lies in there or whatever, but I think it's a great one. Uh, and then the final... Uh, and then the last one, I don't want to overwhelm you guys with like a whole library, okay. but the last one uh, I, I would say would be uh, the author is George Clayson, and it's The Richest Man in Babylon. One of my oh. um, favorites, if I were to get book. any tattoo, man, if I were to get any tattoo, and I don't have any tattoos for the record, I would get a part of all you earn is yours to keep. One of my favorite uh, lines on wealth came from um, uh, this book. Uh, the Richest Man in Babylon, which is just, again, it's full of just fundamental. And, again, I'm, I'm a student of finance to this very day, and I'm over, over damn, damn, two decades in the industry. And I'm telling you, it takes very dense concepts in finance, and it just simplifies them for readers. And this book was published, like, 
before the 1930s. It was like the early, like just after the 18th century. Like it's like it's a, it's I mean just just after the 19th century. It's like it's early 1900s. The book was published, but it's like very dense concepts of finance that's just easily. Uh, explained and fleshed out, man, about debt, lending, how to generate wealth. And literally, it's this. A part of all you earn is yours to keep, period. Okay. And literally, wow. when you take that and look at the rich that poor that how you break down passive income, it's literally, it's, it's, it coincides. It's, it's profound. And these are, these are all, again, fundamental reads. Uh, Darren Hardy's Compound Effect, um, Robert Robert T. Kiyosaki, uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad, and then finally uh, George Clayson's uh, Rich Man of Babylon. Those three is, is I'm always go to. I always recommend people see. All right. Wow. Walter, and I have a well, ton more that are like black related and all kind of stuff, but you know, so I'll matter of fact, because of the times, I have to just give you one black one. Um, oh, do it. Let's go. Yeah. I, I, I just want to plug Shane White, man. I want to plug Shane White. He's the author of Prince of Darkness. Uh, Prince of Darkness highlights the first African American on Wall Street to kind of just kick ass and take names, man. Uh, this guy. Where have you heard of this Jeremy. one? I'm sorry. I haven't heard of this one. The Prince of Darkness. I haven't heard of this. Yeah, one. it's it's okay. recently published, man. It's recently published. Uh, it, it highlights this this guy. His name is Jeremiah G. Hamilton. He went by Jerry Hamilton. He was also known as the Prince of Darkness, like on Wall Street. Just to put it in perspective for you guys, though. So Jeremiah G. Hamilton, right, uh, mysterious cat. Uh, the emancipation of African Americans here in uh, out of like out of slavery happened in 1865, right? That was when emancipation happened. Jeremiah G. Hamilton died in 1868 three years after emancipation. The height of his wealth was in the 1830s, during the heart. Well, not during the heart, but it's the right, it was before emancipation, I'll say, because it was 400 years of that shit popping off. But he was born, like, somewhere around, like, the um, early 1800s, I want to say. Um, he was thriving in his 20s and 30s, like, somewhere in, like, the 1830s, whatever. Uh, his net worth where he died was around $2 million in 1868. Uh, the 19, I'll say the 2018 equivalent of that is around 250 million, is is what he was doing. But this book highlights a lot of his life and legacy and how he navigated during during slavery. But he was free and he was in New York just kicking ass and taking names in some fascinating ways. And this book is very inspiring uh, to me because books like that, and then also there's another book called The History of the Black Elite. Uh, which highlights a lot of other African Americans. You know, this is all after 1865, that book. Uh, but it was early 18, 1800s and stuff, right? It was, it was after 1865, but it was still like early 1900s, still 18, late 1800s, whatever. And they were still, like, you know, just finishing up the whole emancipation stuff, whatever. But all, all these books about just African American early success, what it does for me is it removes, and simply, it just removes excuses. Right? So it's like, yeah. if these guys were able to accomplish what they accomplished with, like, having real estate companies and insurance companies and, and all kind of just creative things and hold a job and multiple other things and navigate, you know, like, the social, the very rough uh, racist social dynamic of that time and stories of, like, Paul Robeson and, and all these guys, man, um, it just it's just very like and Daniel Murray and, and Jeremiah G. Hamilton is just very inspiring and it it's encouraging as well. It's just like, man, how you know what I mean? Like like what are you like like, like, if, like if these if these were mountains that they climb, you gotta just have speed bumps, brother. Like you know what I mean? Like, like come on. Yeah, like, right, right. Come on. Like you know, what is what is what is what's your excuse? And you got S V D C which is free. Like, come on, brother, like come right. on man. Yeah, no. yeah, <laughs> you know, like easier now to make money than it was back then. So it's like, and they were, and they were thriving exactly, exactly. You, you, you hit the nail on the head just right. You hit the nail on the head. Oh my yeah. gosh, that, I'm gonna yeah. look. So that's another. We got the darkness. We got a lot to talk right. about. So, <laughs> okay, Walter. So we're about to wrap up. Uh, any 
last bits of advice you would like to give the audience outside of what you already stated, which has been like a lot of gems you dropped. Um, yeah. Yeah. One. Uh, so I, yeah. So I, I I write every every day, uh, at least twice a day, in the five minute journal. Man, with part of my my regiment, my wife and I, we exercise, meditate, pray, write, and read daily. I came across this quote in the five minute journal that's been moving for the past like week and some change is by Brene Brown. And it's very inspiring. I wanted to leave it with you guys. Um, I love this. It says, you either walk inside your story and own it, or you stand outside your story and hustle for your worthiness. Mm. I'll say that one more time. You either walk inside your story and own it, or you stand outside your story and hustle for your worthiness. Man. Wow. Okay. So, uh, no, leave on that note. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Walter, man, it's been great. Um, I'm looking forward to, if you're open to it, having you on and having Larry Johnson on and, Maybe if you know a good CPA, we'll maybe we can have them on as well. Um, sure. Yeah, uh, audience, I hope you enjoyed tonight's show. Um, I'm gonna on our social media. We're gonna get his Twitter and the other links, and I think we might do some show notes on this actual episode. Feel free to DM, and I think it's mainly just DM or message me somehow if I don't get back to you. And again. Any of the proceeds that we make, uh, after we make a certain number, we hit a a certain goal, we're going to donate to local STEM programs in the Los Angeles area, and we're looking at other major markets too, uh, New York and Atlanta. So, oh, oh, here it is, uh, Twitter at W. John Whitehead. That's W. John Whitehead. That's his Twitter handle. So if you want to hit him up looking for CPAs or any, I think, questions finance-related, uh, feel free to hit him up. So, again, thank you very much. Look forward to seeing you or talking to you next week. Uh, I think next week is going to be a PSA announcement, and then after that we're going to do a re-show with uh, Michelle Arbo on numbers, coincidentally. And big show on July the 21st with uh, D4A Media. So, again, thank you very much. Walter, thanks again, and we look forward to having you on. And we're out. I appreciate you, man. I don't talk to you. All right. All right.